Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. All right, I hope you had enough coffee for today. Please take your seat. We are so glad that you're here. It is my privilege to welcome you. Um, we're excited for small groups that are kicking off, and we're going to have different tables in the back on your way out. The only thing that I ask is that you just stop and just look. Just see, uh, we'd love for you to join one. Yeah, community is so important. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Um, but if, if the very le- at the very least, I just invite you to just take a look at and see what we have. We have 10 different groups that are going to be kicking off this uh, semester. So there's plenty of room for you uh, to join us. I'm going to invite you to open uh, your Bibles or the version up to Genesis chapter 2. We're in week 2 of our series, Freedom. Uh, I've talked to you about t- embracing who we are in God and embracing who he says we are. And I want to tell you this, if we believe what the Bible says of God, and if we believe what, who we believe that he is who he says he is, I believe he is the everlasting God, the mighty, he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is wonderful. He is counselor. If I believe all of that, I also have to believe what his word says about me. Amen. I also have to believe what his word says about you, that he who the son has set free is free indeed. That we don't have to live tied to our past, that we don't have to live tied to even the horrible present that we may be experiencing right now, but that there is a new future, that there is a new hope in God. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So when we look at this, we're going to build off of last week. The tree of life is more than just a backdrop in history. It's more than just a Bible story, but it can be a way of life. It can be the way some of us are living here today. So let's look back at Genesis. Um, The first scriptures tell us about the creation of our world that define God as the creator uh, and the ruler who has the authority and who has all domain and power. The second story is what we looked at last week and we're going to build off of this week. Uh, it tells us about Adam and Eve, the first sin that came into the world, the two trees that, we've, uh, that we talked about in the Garden of Eden. So it's the second story for a reason because everything else in the Bible hinges off of it. Everything else in the Bible hinges off of this particular story because from this we learn that humanity has to choose. You and I have to choose every day between the tree of life and between the tree that is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You have a choice. I have a choice. We all collectively have a choice to make. We have a choice. And what is your choice going to be? What is your choice going to be? You have to decide and you have to make that choice each and every day. It's not about a one-time decision that, and then we just live the rest of our lives. No, Paul said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. It was a daily choice. It was an active choice that he had to make. So I have to make that choice. And the Christian life of being a child of God requires this of me. And it requires so much more. Can I just say it requires so much more than just coming to church 
on Sunday. I've told you the importance of coming here together. The Bible tells us don't forsake the gathering, the assembly of the body of Christ. It's so important for us to be here together as a body of believers. It's not just a religious requirement. Rather, as a people of God, I have to wake up in the morning. I have to make the conscious effort, as you did today, to come here. It's important for us to be here. Sundays and on first Wednesdays, I have to be at church. I have to make that choice. But on top of that, I have to make a choice on Monday morning. I have to make a choice when they cut me off, uh, when I'm driving down the road. I have to make a choice on Tuesday. I have to make a choice on Wednesday. And with all the stuff that we deal with day in and day out, we need to be connected to the source who is Jesus. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you are connected to me, we have to be connected to him. We have to be connected to the source who is Jesus. And we have to be connected to the body of believers. We need community. And we need small groups just as we're kicking off. But when it's just me, but what about when it's just me? When it's just you and you're going through something and when it's just you that you're driving down the road and when it's you and nobody else is around, sometimes it is just me and I have to make the purposeful choice and you have to make the purposeful choice. David is, that's what David talked about when he said, I will Bless the Lord at all times. He didn't say you will. He's talking about himself. He is making a conscious effort and a choice to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, it will continually be in my mouth. I don't know what is going to happen today, but I will bless the Lord. I may get sick before the day's over, but I will bless the Lord. I may be talked about but I will bless the Lord. I may be mistreated, but I will bless the Lord. I may have a fender bender. I may crash into a stationary pole, but I will bless the Lord at all times. Paul spoke for himself. He said, I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstance may be, I know what it is to be in need, but I also know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and Every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. It doesn't matter if the sun is shining or not. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. He's not talking to the church, so to say. He's talking about himself. And I believe that there is a body of believers here today that makes the active choice. And if we have not always, we are going to begin doing that. I will. I will bless the Lord. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. It doesn't matter what the what cards life has dealt me. I make a choice. I make a decision. I can do all things. You have to make your own decision. We have to make it and we have to choose life. So when we look at this side by side, these two trees, we see the following, the tree of life that provides us, everything's in the version app, freedom. It provides us grace. It provides us eternal life. It lets us know that God is good and that God is everything. But when we look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what we see that comes from that is bondage, the law. It leads to death where God is only a judge and he is not a compassionate father. It tells us that we are condemned. And when we study the scripture, it's always a good idea to be able to find where it is first mentioned, wherever something is first mentioned. So as we journey together to a life of freedom, as we journey together to experience more of God, as we journey together to experience his fullness, we we have to find out what separates us from God. 
What is it in life that truly creates that separation? What, why is it that I may feel in bondage today that while I am in church, I, I feel captive in my mind and I'm really thinking about something else. I may be thinking about what I'm, what I'm going through or I may be thinking about what I'm going to do after this. And, and it's a bondage that doesn't truly let us live in the moment. So the first place in the Bible where separation from God is mentioned is Genesis chapter 3. The first people that God created, they made a bad choice. They made a bad choice, just like you and I may have made bad choices. And it caused an instant separation. Prior to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve walked with God. They enjoyed his presence. And the word of God tells us that God made these two humans in his image to enjoy fellowship with each other and to enjoy fellowship with him. He told Adam, he said, here is the land, conquer it. You have dominion over it. God gave Adam all the authority that he had established in his relationship with him. And without the relationship, we, let, we understand that Adam would not have anything. So when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They forfeited this authority. They said, you know what? I, I don't have what I used to have. So through deception and through rebellion, the serpent who makes its way through into the scripture took the authority and the dominion that God had given to man. The Bible tells us we understand his purpose for our lives is the same purpose since the inception of time. The Bible tells us that Satan's desire was to exalt his throne above the stars of God. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, until the fall of man, he lacked all the power and all the influence to set up. But Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. So we understand that Satan had this, this want to, this desire to be greater than God and trying to infiltrate this into Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21 that we were once far away from God, the separation, that we were his enemies. We were separated from him because of the evil one through our thoughts and through our actions that sin separates and this separation costs freedom to, to walk out of the scene. Can that be what is taking place in my life today? Can that be what is taking place in your life today? That choices that we have made have made it difficult for us to obtain freedom, for us to be able to live a free life, for us to be able to have a free mind. But God, but God, while sin separated Adam and Eve, but God came after them. I, thank, I have to thank him for making a way that the story didn't end with isolation. I have to thank him that it was through Jesus that God reconciled and brought everything once again to himself, that he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Don't miss that part. Don't miss that part that just because Adam and Eve hid, God came looking for them. The Bible says that God is seeking after a sinful man. I'm grateful that, that while I may be separating myself from him, that he loves me enough to come and look after me, to come look for me, to come chase after me. God is in love with the sinful man so much that he sent his son Jesus to rescue his people. I'm grateful for that. And, Adam and, and while Adam and Eve sinned, 
by eating fruit of the tree that was forbidden to them, the fruit was not just any fruit. It, it tip of, it's a tip, a type of, should I say, disobedience. It was the fruit that came from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So let me just break this down for you just the next little while. They mistakenly thought that this fruit was going to make them like God. And learning the truth about this fruit that is still evident, that is still present in our lives today will help us in avoiding the same mistake. Amen. I want to learn from their mistake so I can live out the life that God has called me to live. So let's look at, at a few truths about the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The fruit is knowledge. So from the beginning, human beings have desired to be wise. That's why we go to school. That's why we study. That's why we read. God is actually pleased with this desire. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter, uh, in 1 Kings, should I say, that we have the account that when God had this conversation with Solomon and God said, I'll give you whatever you desire. And, and Solomon said, I want wisdom. God was pleased with this request and gave him wisdom. We understand through the, through the Bible, through the stories that, that Solomon stood out because of the wisdom that came from God. So it is not a bad thing to seek after wisdom. It's not a bad thing to study. Actually, the Bible says study to show thyself approved. It is a good thing, but, but there is a difference between the knowledge that, that Adam and Eve were after and the knowledge that I'm referring to that Solomon was after. Solomon asked for this one Thing. And most of us think that of this fruit as some sort of apple, but it's not. I told you this last week. It's not just the apple. It's not if it was a pear. It doesn't matter if it was a mango. It, that does not matter. What matters is the disobedience that was present. So the fruit of the tree is exactly what the Bible says, knowledge of good and evil. What is that? It's information. It's ideas. It's perspective, it's the world's view, it's patterns. God was basically saying to Adam and Eve, this is what it comes down to. If you change your way of thinking, it will create separation between us. If you change your worldview, you won't be able to understand me and relate to me. Could that be our problem today? Satan says, it won't hurt you to think like that. Note that God says it wasn't wrong for them to pursue knowledge. In fact, God said to Israel uh, through the prophet Hosea that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. The issue isn't necessarily the knowledge, rather it's the motive. Why are you trying to do this? Why are you, have you ever had somebody that you questioned their motives? Have you ever had somebody in your life that said, man, they've never said hi to me and now they're saying hi to me and the next thing you know, they're inviting you to something. Uh, have you ever had something that, that, that the motives weren't just there? The issue isn't necessarily that. It's why do you desire knowledge? Why do I desire knowledge? Do I desire knowledge because I want to, to, to show off? Do, because I want to be arrogant about it? Or do I desire knowledge because I want to share what is inside my heart and be able to share that with others so that others could know Christ, so that others could come to the understanding that is in his word and truly be free? It, it, why am I seeking after knowledge is the question. Is it, is it to gain God's wisdom and understanding? or is it somehow to exalt ourselves? Is it to exalt ourselves? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. 
We need wisdom from God that is pure, that is peace-loving, that is gentle at all times. Because the truth is that the wisdom from the world is jealous, jealousy, selfish, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's motivated by evil. So then when do we need wisdom? The question is, when do we need wisdom? All the time. We are constantly making decisions and even in the smallest details, we need God to be involved. We need to use godly wisdom to allow us to be more like God so that we could emulate him, so that people could see him in our lives. His wisdom draws us closer to him while worldly wisdom leads us to sin. Once again, here you have this common theme is the choice. I have a choice to, to have godly wisdom or to, world, to have worldly wisdom which will separate me from God. James 1, 5 says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The fruit is knowledge. The second thing, the fruit is deadly. The Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of it, its fruits, you are sure to die. You're sure to die. Isn't that crazy that ever since then, you have all this. Picture that with me. You have all these trees. I can go here. I can go there. But there's one tree that I am prohibited, that I cannot go to. And it is that one tree that I want. It's just like we were talking yesterday at the dinner table um, the one person mentioned that they were having an MRI done. And, and as they tell you, stay still and do not move. It's, it's in that moment. You, you're fine until then. But it's when they say stay still that you have the sensation of wanting to move your, your toes. Or wanting to move your feet. It's like, it's like when you tell a little child you can get that but you can't get from there. It, it's, it, it makes us want. It's that human tendency that came in that came in through Adam and Eve, that we are still battling today, that we want what we shouldn't have, that we want what we shouldn't have. It is that, that something about it, that when you tell me you, you can do all that, but you can't do this, now I want to do that. Now I want to do that. It is the same picture of the Garden of Eden that we face here today. The fruit is deadly. Eating from this fruit or consuming the knowledge in our own pursuit of godliness is deadly. Satan didn't tempt him, didn't tempt Adam and Eve with blatant rebellion and just say, just leave God and just walk away. It wasn't just something like that. It was conniving and it was sneaky. And that is the way our enemy works today. Our enemy knows how to attack us. But I'm grateful that his word reminds us that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I'm grateful that the, that the word reminds me. Why does that say? Because it, it doesn't just say a weapon. No, it says that it's formed against me because we all have vulnerabilities and we all have susceptibilities. But I'm grateful that no weapon that is formed against me, I have the power and the authority through the word of God to overcome whatever comes my way because your temptation is different than mine and your temptation is different than hers. But, but I'm grateful that there is a God that knows it all. The Bible says he was tested in all points. And because of him, I, I have the power to overcome. I have the power to be able to be successful over that particular thing. No weapon that is formed against me. He connived and he said, go ahead and eat of this fruit. It will make you like God. Satan tempted Eve with her desire to become like God. She didn't know any better. 
It sounds like a good offer. I'm going to try it. And it's important for us to note that often the desire to know is in a direct opposition to the desire to trust. What does that mean? We would rather gain knowledge to try to control our own lives than to just trust God to take care of it. Man, I want to control the situation. I want to control the situation. I, I, if you get, I, I'm not so good in delegating all the time, and, and you may say that. I, I'm not because I want to control the situation. But what if we just trust God? We seek knowledge to be able to manipulate the outcome that we want instead of just saying, God, I trust you. You know better, that be, you know better for me than I know for myself. And I have to trust God that, that God has, that the plans that he has for me are good and they're not of evil. But there are areas in our lives that sometimes we are reluctant to surrender to God because we say, what if God wrecks this particular area of my life? And I have a pretty good handle on this right now. But if I tell God, 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 you do it. You take care of it. It may not end up the way I want it. And we try to use the knowledge that we have, our information that we have to be able to shape it to be what we want it to be instead of just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Adam and Eve didn't die physically. But on that day, they did die spiritually. On that day, they died spiritually. Through their disobedience, death enters. So now we see the human race. We're all born spiritually dead in need of resurrection. But the good news is that through Jesus, we have access to the tree of life. And if we pursue him, and if we pursue life in our desire for godliness, we will become truly like him it was not just a physical death, as I mentioned. It was a spiritual death. It was a death that affected their minds, a death that affected their relationships. It was a death that affected their peace, their state of being, their well-being. All of it was tied to the decision to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The third thing, the, third thing, the fruit is consumed. The woman was convinced, the Bible says, Genesis 3, 6, she saw the tree. It was beautiful. It, the fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Eden is not just putting food into our mouths. When we look at the literal meaning, it is to consume, to ingest. When ideas are ingested into our mind and then sin is conceived, how did this first come about? Eve talked to Adam about it. Through a conversation, they consume the idea. Through a conversation, through talking about it, they consume the idea and they begin to process it. Then the progression tells us that the sin didn't just begin with the act, but it begins with our minds. It didn't just begin when they started contemplating the idea and saying, if I eat this, I'll be like God. That is where the sin started. It didn't just take place when they bit the apple or the fruit. It took place when they started entertaining the thought 
of being there. Are you following me this morning? Are you following me this morning? When we start entertaining the thoughts, it's not that we won't battle with anxious thoughts. It's not that sin or habits or temptation won't come, but it's are we letting that thought sit in my spirit? Am I letting that thought stay in my mind? Am, am I then acting upon it? Or when that thought comes in, am I putting a stop sign up and saying, no, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit? Or am I, am I putting, am I acting God's word in my life, or am I letting that thought become an action? We have to be careful about the things that we ingest because they can have a lasting effect on our lives. Watching certain movies or television shows might expose us to images that could trouble us for the rest of our lives. Spending time and reading certain types of ideologies that has the potential to pollute our mind and lead us to ruin and to despair. Just as every parent in this place takes extra care to guide what their children are exposed to. You can't watch that. You can't read that. You can't play that. We should have the same caution in my life and in our spiritual lives of what we are exposed to because that can snowball into something greater, and it can snowball into something greater. I have to be careful with what I ingest. Amen. And the fourth thing, the fruit causes separation. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. There was no need to hide before. There was no need to hide before. They were naked before and didn't know anything different. But their disobedience caused the interruption and caused the separation where they themselves knew they were wrong and took the first step away from God, covered themselves, hid from God, the same story repeats itself today. The worship team will come and join me. That we think we are too far from God. That our own ways have created the separation where we are beyond salvageable. Every single one of us in this place knows of somebody that won't come to church because they feel they are inadequate because of the life they live. Because of the experiences they have been through. And it just robs us of experiencing who we are in God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil produces shame and it produces victimization. And I'm drawing to a close. This is what, remember, God comes looking for them. They hide. And Adam replies and says this, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. So I hid. I separate myself. I don't come to church. I don't pray the way I should. I don't seek God the way I should because of the sin in my life and because of the, the, the choices that I have made. They made that choice. They said, I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Notice what God replies. He says, who told you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to? And the man replied, said, it was the woman. Blaming it on somebody else. 
It was the woman you gave me. Couldn't take responsibility. Couldn't say, yeah, it's nobody's fault but my own. It's nobody's fault but my own. And maybe that's the situations in my life today and the situations in your life are nobody's fault but our own. And we feel trapped and we feel isolated and we're frustrated. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. That's why I ate it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, it robs us of our innocence in him. The results of shame cover up religion with become folk and become focused on works. It's lying, it's deception, it's false pride. It's making promises that we can't keep. It's getting our self-worth from the things that we do that we feel good about ourselves because I came to church, because I did this, because I did that. It's the inability to come to a place of honesty and where we can be raw and we can be open and say, God, I just need you. Say, God, I need you. It's a place where we concentrate on our sin instead of concentrating on our Savior. Are you concentrating on your sin this morning? So why is shame so deadly? Because it strips us of the power to change. And I believe in this house today that there are some areas of our lives that we are wanting to change, that we are seeking to change. That's why we woke up this morning. It was tough to wake up. Didn't get enough caffeine. But but you're here today because there's an area that says, I need you, God, more than I need some more sleep. I need you more than, than I need the next breath that I take. I need you more th- than eating a nice breakfast. I need you more. There's an area in my life, there's an area in my life, and it keeps us from receiving the provision that God has made for our sin through the blood of Jesus. It's accessible to you. It's available to you. But yet we hesitate, yet we, we live our lives separated from God. We live our lives on this island because of things that I've done and because of things that I've said and because of things that I've watched and because of things that I've been involved in. And I say, God, I, I don't know if I could ever come to you. I don't know, but I'm here to remind you through his word that while you and I have caused a separation on our own, there is a God that comes walking to us and comes looking for us and says there is no place that that you can go. There is no place that you can be that my love won't reach you. I'll come to the lowest parts and I will come where nobody else will come and I'll I'll reach, I'll extend my hand and I'll pull you out. I'm grateful for a God that when I'm down he comes down to the ground with me and says if you're down I'm going to be right here with you and I will pick you up. I will pick you up and you may feel like life has robbed you, like life There's a difference. There's a difference between guilt and shame. Help me. Guilt is about what we have done, but shame is about who we are. Guilt is about what we have done, but shame is about who we are. With guilt, we can always get a fresh start, but with shame, we're caught 
between a rock and a hard place because the problem stays with us. I want to identify those two because some of us in this place are dealing with that. With guilt, we can always have a fresh start. But with shame, we're caught between a rock and a hard place because the problem stays with us. I can change careers. I can change lives. I can change relationships. But it stays with me. And until I surrender it to Jesus, it's always going to weigh me down. Until I realize that he is the one that can set me free. It's, it's not my husband. It's not my wife. It's not my career. It's not how much money's in the bank. He is the only one that can set me free. He's the only one that can set me free. In order to be free from shame, we must begin to see ourselves as God sees if he is who he says he is, and I believe he is, then I also have to believe what his word says about me, that I am just a little bit lower than the angels, that I am a royal priesthood, that I am a chosen generation, that I have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I have to believe that he that the Son has set free is free indeed. I have to believe that all guilt and all shame was nailed to the cross with him. I have to believe that if he sits on the throne, I also have to believe that I am seated in heavenly places with him. I am also bound to believe that it's either all true or none at all. Just as the tree of knowledge of good and evil produces shame in our lives, it makes us susceptible to victimization. So what is victimization? It's a natural response to our sin. Eve responded, the devil made me do it. Adam responded, the woman you gave me made me do it. Nobody's taking ownership for this. We blame others and we displace responsibility. It's my parents' fault that I'm like this. It's their fault that I'm like this. And when we place blame, we excuse our internal condition, hear me well, or outward circumstances by focusing on the actions of others. Does that make sense? I shift the focus and I look at my life and how bad some areas are. And then I look at somebody else and I say, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not where they are. And we say, if my husband would just treat me right, I wouldn't be so unhappy. I wouldn't be so manipulative. If my family were less argumentative, I wouldn't be so irritable. If everybody would just live like they're supposed to, everything would work right. But the results of victimization is just displacing responsibility. But what about us? We notice others' sins, but not our own. We excuse and condemn ourselves saying, I've always been this way. I'll never change. I'll never be good enough. That is a lie from the enemy. That is a lie from the enemy. 
when, whether we victimize ourselves by blaming others or excusing and condemning ourselves, we're powerless to change. And that is why victimization is so deadly. And that's why I want to expose it today to let it leave our lives permanently. If I am going to be who God has called me to be, and if I'm going to experience his fullness, I have to leave the victimization behind and say, God, you know what? Regardless of what my past has looked like, I am here now. I'm here now, and I need you. I need you. Are there areas in your life, perhaps with your parents or perhaps with your spouse or with other people in your past, at work, with friends, or even at church, where you have taken the victim mentality, would you self-reflect? How should you change your way of thinking regarding the situation? With the victimization and shame where either the Pharisees or the woman caught in adultery. It's a lose-lose. It's a we're either saying you're not good enough or you're either saying, I'm not good enough. And we base our relationship with God on others. Behaviors, on their behavior and on their merit. And we judge ourselves and we say, I'm pretty good when I look at my neighbor. But it doesn't deal with the issues of the heart. And it doesn't deal what's, with what's deep down on the inside. That is not the perspective that God wants us to have. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it keeps us from changing and from connecting with God. It's a trap of the enemy that, that is designed, that is positioned there to keep us back. The devil our enemy wants us to be forever stuck in the world of blame and self-condemnation, but we have to get to a point where no matter what happens, we take responsibility for our own lives. We can no longer blame anyone else for the quality of our relationship with God. The fruit of the tree of knowledge of evil lacks the power to transform the heart. It provides facts and information, but it is powerless to give you life. It is it's just about you. It's just about you. I'm going to... It's just about you. It cannot produce change if you keep doing what you're doing. Think about that. We've all, we've all heard it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. If you, can, it can, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. Aren't you tired of getting the same results? I am. Aren't you ready to make some changes? I am. Aren't you ready to leave past habits, past emotions, past thoughts, truly in your past? Where it can provide facts and information, but it is powerless to give you life. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you have the light that leads to life. You have the light that leads to life. God wants it for you. God wants it for you. I want to pray for you before we leave. The victimization and the shame 
that comes into our lives can, can hold us back from being who we are in God. And we've, we've been excited about embracing a new future and embracing who we want to be in God, but we can't get there if we don't deal with these two things. So let's make an active choice today, Impact City Church. Let's make an active choice today to leave the victimization and to leave the shame in the past and to say, God, I'm going to take one more step towards you. I'm going to take one more step towards you. Does it mean that everything is perfect? Absolutely not. But you know what? I'm making an active choice, God, to say I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to say forget whoever's fault it was. This is where I'm at, but this is how I get out. This is how I get out, and it is still the way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It is still the same way. Still the same way. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you in this place. I thank you for your word that challenges us to be better. I thank you for your word that's as a mirror and that allows us to look into our own lives to say, maybe I have been doing that. God, I'm sorry for letting shame still be a part of my life when you have dealt with that at the cross. I'm sorry that I have let victimization still be a part of who I am even though you dealt with all of that at the cross. God, right now, we believe you for who you are. We believe, God, that you made a way out for us to no longer have to carry shame, for us to no longer have to carry guilt. God, we thank you that all of it is nailed to the cross. Now, God, right now, help us activate your promises that let us live in such a way. Help us not just be excited about it, help us not just shout about it, but help us live it out, God. Help us live out your promise that is true and that is faithful and that endures through every circumstance and through every situation. God, right now, I come against shame. I come against guilt. I come against it. You have no power. You have no authority. You have no strength over this body of believers right now. We declare liberty. We declare freedom. We declare that we will see all that God has for us. We declare right now that there is no weapon that is shaped, formed, designed, or built that will prosper against us. God, right now, we release it to you. God, right now, we lay it at your feet. God, and we just trust you for it. God, we won't live off of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We won't try to f figure it out ourselves or manipulate it ourselves. No, we're going to live out of the tree of life that lets us trust you, that lets us just rest in your promises. Right now, God, I thank you for freedom in this place. I thank you for freedom in this place. I thank you for freedom with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you have not made a first-time decision today, if you have not made a first-time decision to say yes 
to Jesus and to accept him as your Lord and Savior. I, I don't want to leave this service without giving you that opportunity. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to just raise your hand right where you're at. I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. We're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to believe that this is a day of new beginnings for you. Dear Jesus, pray with me. Thank you for dying on the cross and making a way for me to come to God. I receive this gift and I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give you all of me and ask you to turn my life around. Help me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. As we give God some praise, I'm going to invite you to stand. No one knows your story like you know it. No one knows what you've been through, what you've been drugged through, no one knows that but you. But I want to tell you that God loves you too much to just let you continue living in that same cycle and in that, with those same patterns and with that same habit and with that same mindset. God loves you so much that he has more for you. And he invites you. He says, come to me, all you, all you. It doesn't say a select few, it says, everyone who is burdened and heavy laden. If you have a load that sometimes seems too difficult to bear, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. He will lift the load up. He is a burden bearer. And that's what I, as, as we enter a time of worship, that's the invitation that I make to you today. If you are in any point, at any particular point of your life, if you're frustrated and you're tired and you're tired, it could be emotionally, it could be physically, it could be mentally. If you're tired and you say, Jesus, I, I need rest. As we enter a moment of worship, I'm gonna invite you to just take advantage of this. If you feel to come to this altar, I'm gonna invite you to do so. I'll, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you, but if not, Right, right where you're at. That's the invitation that Jesus makes to you today. He says, I'll give you rest. You, that you're tired. You're tired. Can't seem to fall asleep as easy as you used to because there's just problems and worry and stress and anxiety and frustration that comes. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Trying to figure all things out on your own. He says, trust me and I will give you rest. He, uh, let me tell you this, in case you didn't know, he can do it better than you and I can. He can do it better than you and I can. Why don't I just rest, just rest in his promises. So right now, Father, we thank you once again. We thank you for your promises that are yes and that are amen. We thank you for the invitation that you give us. That I may be tired on the inside. I feel great on the outside, but I'm tired on the inside. Lord, you know how long I've been dealing with what I've been dealing with. You know how long I've faced this habit that I haven't been able to overcome. You know how long I have been in this situation, God, 
But right now, I, I say yes. I say yes. I trade my heavy burden. I trade my load for the rest. I've been trying to work things out on my own. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been trying to put the pen to the paper and it just doesn't seem to work out and I'm tired, I'm tired and I need you right now in this moment. God, I just declare your word to be true over every heart and over every believer right now, I declare rest in this building. I declare rest over every mind. I declare rest over every body. I declare rest over every spirit right now. I declare rest over your relationships, over your marriages. I declare rest over your family. I declare rest over your business. I declare rest over your sickness. I declare rest right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that there is no weapon nothing that has come against me no habit no emotion no set no mindset no perspective that can overcome right now god i declare that i am an overcomer in your name right now god i declare i embrace the rest that comes from heaven right now i declare the rest that comes from heaven in jesus name right now all anxiety all stress all worry all burden everything right now god in jesus name Lord, I declare rest right now like never before. I declare rest over the spirit right now that is tired. I declare right now rest over the spirit that is wounded, that is beaten down, that is hurting right now in Jesus' name. There is nothing that you cannot do right now, Jesus. Come into every circumstance. Come into every challenge. Come into every problem right now, God, and I declare your word to be true right now in every believer right now, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we declare it today. In Jesus' name, we declare it today.